0: Welcome, everybody, to episode two of Mandatory Music and CD, the show where three friends reminisce about the music that shaped our lives, where we go through classic albums song by song. I'm in the host chair today, Tony Farina of Indie Comics Spotlight, Pop Gorillas, Season's Greetings. Apparently, I'm not busy enough, so just, I want to rival one of our guests for the most podcasts in humanity, but I will never, ever reach him so one of my co-hosts one of my friends everybody's favorite liverpudlian diamond dave horrocks dave hello sir
1: hello sir thank you for having me on again even though it's the three of us each time it's our show yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i was just i was just admiring that um uh, intro i got there so thank you very much for that i don't i don't know if having so many podcasts is something to aspire to (laughs) Uh, it's more of a millstone, <laughs> really.
0: <laughs> it, well, but you grind it out. It's all good. We were talking Orwell before the show started. So you'll just work harder, Dave. Exactly. Just like Boxer. You won't end up at the <laughs> Glue Factory anytime soon. And know. in the other chair, the host, the, the man with whom I will trade hosting duties from episode to episode, Bolton's favorite son, Marvelous Max Byrne. Hello, sir.
2: Oh, th- hi, guys. Thank you so much for that introduction, Tony. I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure I'm even my mother's favorite son, let alone <laughs> Bolton's favorite son. But, well, but I'll, uh, but I'll take
0: that. Thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> Listen, so much. here's the thing. I know very little about Bolton, except what you've told me. So you're my favorite Boltonian. Is that what you... Are?
2: Um, Bol- Boltonian is the Boltonian. Um, ah,
0: love correct, it. Okay. Well.
2: pronunciation. But if you don't know much, I could explain it to you in about a minute. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that another time. More of the
0: all Bolton <laughs> cast all the time. Yes. Yeah. So we're here today. So as you, as you, if you have not listened, I will put a link in the show notes to last month's episode where we did our inaugural episode, which we picked, we left a randomizer pick, but it was like fate telling us, this is great. We covered Skid Row's first album, Skid Row. And then at the end of each week, Dave has a magic wheel. He'll spin it, and it will tell us what to do. And so it picked not the first, not the second, but the sixth album from Led Zeppelin. And it is, and they were just like, hey, you know what? We took some time off. We're going to come back with a monster. And so we are going to cover the 1975's Physical Graffiti. So it was filmed in London. Um, and uh, mostly at the Olympic Studios in London, but the lonely, the Rolling Stones mobile unit in Headley Grange. Where is Headley Grange, lads?
1: Uh, that's a great question
2: for you to ask, <laughs> Tony. <laughs> uh, it's, in
0: it's in Hampshire.
2: It's in Hampshire. Okay, so down down in the south. That, in the okay, south.
0: well that's so that's where they recorded because the Rolling Stones had a mobile unit. Apparently, they were mm. like. They just got a truck. They're like, we need to. I mean, they're still touring, so it doesn't surprise me that they would need a mobile unit. So (laughs) um, there is an executive producer. But what I've read is really Jimmy Page is the producer of this album, much like Lindsey Buckingham from Fleetwood Mac.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Jimmy Page just kind of was like, you know, just let me do it. And so. Whether he is listed as the producer or he is the ghost producer, this is a Jimmy Page production, as is most Led Zeppelin work, um, rightfully so. So before we get into the track by track listing, let's talk about physical graffiti. So I was just two going on three when this album came out. I assume my co-hosts were yet to be born. So none of us have... Um, Very specific memories of this album when it came out like we had great stories with Skid Row, but I would love to hear your Led Zeppelin background and maybe this album in particular because all of the Led Zeppelin albums everybody are on the wheel of morality so we will get back around to them so we're not going to wax too poetic about is for the best is to the best is what we're not going to do that but we are going to tell our Led Zeppelin story so Max why don't you, why don't you bat lead off and tell us what, what are your what are your Zeppelin thoughts and Zeppelin memories Yeah, well,
2: obviously I I was a year old when Led Zeppelin essentially ceased to be in 1980 when John Bonham died. So obviously I wasn't around for them in their original form. Um, But then when I got into sort of my early teens and started getting into rock and heavy rock, there was a release. I think it was about maybe 91, 92, they released a, um, a collection called Remasters. And it was the one with like the crop circle front cover like the four symbols in, in as a like an alien crop circle and it was essentially a two cd best of greatest hits whatever you want to call it all their was, was most famous the songs. one yes that's the one i had that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that's a lot of people's gateway to, to zeppelin really and then once you've got that like a lot of bands you know you start to then delve into the catalog and start acquiring the albums from which from whence those songs came um and probably physical graffiti was probably one of the one of the last ones I bought. Really, actually, probably because it was a double and was more, more expensive. And as a as a teen in the nineties, uh, money was scarce. Um, but it, it's it's a great album. It's well, it's not their greatest. I think there's a, probably three or four better ones in the Zeppelin catalog, if I'm being honest. And there, with it being a double, there is quite a little bit of filler on it as well, which we'll get to. Um, but overall, I think the, the classic moments on this are up there with anything they've ever done. Um and it, yeah, it's a great album for me, I would say.
0: Excellent. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's amazing. Dave, so apparently there's some crossover there. So let's talk about that album. That apparently did you guys share it? Was it like something you guys didn't know each other then?
1: <laughs> no, I, I couldn't have even I couldn't have even placed a year when I got that, but it was it was at that time where I felt I needed some Zeppelin in my CD collection. And so I don't know if it's the same in the US, but in the UK, you can't really escape Zeppelin on the radio. Uh, you probably can these days, but I don't listen to those stations. So, uh, it, but at the time, you know, it, it was just everywhere. But those were the the real classic tracks. You know, the not so much Stairway to Heaven, but you know, all, uh, what was the top of the pops one, Max? Whole lot of love. Whole lot of love, oh, yeah. Hmm. Things like that. I mean, just rock and roll, you know, all of these since I've Black been loving Dog, you. I'd imagine, oh, Black yeah. Dog, absolutely. So they're on the radio and I thought, right, I needed some in my CD collection. But I must admit, I only got on really with the first CD, which was more of their blues and, you know, heavier stuff. When they started to get a bit more experimental, I, I usually, I stopped at Kashmir, I think. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm out now. Um, but I I think I mentioned last time, when when I started to get into Iron Maiden, probably, you know, 89, 90 time, my dad used to tell me, oh, these just, everyone used to say they're knockoffs from uh, Black Sabbath and and Led Zeppelin. (laughs) And my dad was was a massive Beatles fan, but I'm sure I remember him telling me that, you know, he'd probably have Zeppelin above the Beatles in terms of, you know, who he rates as a band. And uh, so it's always more my, my dad's band than my band. I, I think I'd, I'd put them in that category where I'm kind of a greatest hits fan. And so not so much a, an album fan, not not a real fan. I do think, you know, I've heard a lot of proper Zeppelin fans hold this album up as as the best one, actually. You know, again, it's very uh, subjective, isn't it? It depends what you're into and, and what you gravitate towards. But um, I, I think... When I think of Zeppelin, though, I, I do think um, more back to one of it, like an early memory, because when I started to get into my dad's record collection, you know, it was, it was dominated by Beatles and then those those other stuff. But um, I remember probably it must have been about eighty four or something. We went on a, a holiday in Portugal, and I only found out years after he, he had to sell his bass and a bunch of records, and he'd he had all the Zeppelin records. And so that was just part of their collection. So he basically sold all of that just so we could go on holiday. And so I just, it it gets me a bit right in the heart, you know, when you think the sacrifices that someone makes, it's, it was the guy's favorite band and he's given up, you know, his his records just just so you could have a couple of weeks in the sun. And you don't appreciate it. You definitely don't appreciate it as a kid, but when you're a parent, you sort of think, Oh yeah I should have should have said more at the time shouldn't I <laughs>
0: yeah, but You don't think that And
1: he no, does not want you to think that at the uh, time. absolutely yeah. absolutely but um yeah so I was really intrigued to get into this one I'm sure I must have had this in in my cassette swap collection if you like so I've I, I've heard it at some point but I must admit when I when we said we'd do this one I, you know a few days later I, I stuck it on and I thought actually, it's like I'm discovering this album for the first time. Got to admit, didn't love it straight away. Um, but I persevered and kept listening and listening and listening. And uh, yeah, it, it's a proper grower, this one.
0: Yeah, I think I said in our, in our uh, WhatsApp chat that I felt like, I can't tell if I love this album now or if I just have Zeppelin Stockholm Syndrome because we're spending a whole month <laughs> yeah. with these albums. So it's like, I'm not sure where I fall. Um, no, that's awesome. I love that. And I'm glad um, maybe maybe before this comes live, we can hear from Papa Horx. Does he have some words of wisdom? He could record it into his Nokia and uh, and send it over. Do those record messages at all? I know you said he refuses to get
1: a smartphone. He doesn't, he doesn't like this century. Okay. So Listen,
0: <laughs> I get it. I understand. Don't blame him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, and I work online. i you know, i I teach online all the time. So I, I totally get it. Um, So my, my, so my cousin, uh, my parents were not Zeppelin fans. So like my parents, um, I was born in 73, but my parents um, were, you know, Beatles and Beach Boys fans. And uh, I love the Beatles and Beach Boys. Like I love the Beach Boys. Um, and actually, uh, you know, I actually think, and I said in our album, like this album reminds me a bit of Sergeant Pepper and Pet Sounds and that this is, And I know you, Dave, you said, well, it feels a little bit more like the white album. And I get that too. To me, this is like, we're famous enough. We can do whatever the fuck we want now. I mean, that's what pet sounds is. That's Brian Wilson saying, listen, I'm a genius (laughs) watch. And it's not anything you thought you'd get. I'll give you two beach boy songs that you thought you wanted and Then they get you everything else. And Sergeant Pepper is like, here's a sitar. George is going to lead the side two with the sitar solo. And you're going to be like, the fuck. And so I feel like this has a lot of that, like they took two years off and they came back with this. So, um, so I wasn't, so my parents were like very early beach boys, early Beatles, you know, but I, I heard all that stuff. My cousin who was just a few years older than me, this, I, Zeppelin was his band. Um, He loved Zeppelin. Not that he, you know, he was old enough to know them, but he just, he's a guitarist. He's a, he's a, he's one of those musicians that you hate who has perfect pitch. He can hear a song once and play it. And you're like, dude, that's outrageous. So Zeppelin was a big deal for him. He loved Jimmy Page. And we actually, there was an album called, or a movie documentary called Hammer of the Gods that he got like some bootleg VHS. Max, you're not, and you've heard of that. Have you seen that movie?
2: No, no, I've read the book though. Hammer oh, okay, okay. the so, yeah. prize Biography, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, so there was like a movie version of that. So we watched that and then, there was this whole weird rabbit hole with, that we went down with Led Zeppelin where the movie, remember the movie Crossroads, which I totally think should be a VH Strikes Back special one yep, day. Yep. I think Chris will hate it. Um, <laughs> but I really want to hear you guys do it. But it was about the Crossroads where Robert Johnson went to the Crossroads to sell his soul to the devil and blah, blah, blah. Of course, you bring Ralph Macchio to be the human mm. embodiment of, of the world's greatest slide blues guitarist who was an African-American. Makes perfect sense, <laughs> But... Um, <laughs> But Zeppelin were big blues fans, as you mentioned, Dave. So um we, you know, my cousin was just into this, and so we were together all the time. So I just kind of followed along, and I actually remember going with him to the record store to special order of this album, because all of the rest of them were really easy to get in America, but this one wasn't. So as you mentioned, how expensive it was, Max. He had to special order it, and then we had to drive like. 40 miles to the town to pick it up at the record store and special ordered it to get this. And so I remember him getting it. the And it wasn't like an original like what your dad had did, but it was like that. So we went home, you know, had to play it on the record player, track one. That's how I remember this album from that perspective of being. So I was a teenager by then, um, but that was really my first real experience. Because, again, like you, I knew their greatest hits, but through my cousin, I really got to respect who they were. So my feeling, everything I remember about uh, physical graffiti is just through him. And uh, but I would like you, I hadn't listened to it for years. And so this was a this was fun. I think. Um, and I, I know we're going to have some different hot takes. So um, that's our. The, and so nobody in this room that we, we there's a reason we put all Led Zeppelin albums on the list. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I mean, I think the, the only other thing I'd add, I was probably more like a Clapton fan when I was about kind of 17 ish. You know, I was getting into playing guitar and stuff. Loved a bit of Clapton. And so I remember getting a video. You mentioned about crossroads there, and and so I was thinking about Cream and stuff, and had all of uh, had all of Clapton's earlier stuff, and and then it went into this little tangent about how you know he'd come away from the Yardbirds, and the Yardbirds turned into Led Zeppelin, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it was just having seen some of the earlier Yardbird stuff, I was like how the hell did that happen? And I remember disappearing off down a rabbit hole and how it all kind of came together. And, you know, they were originally, someone made a joke about them going down like a lead balloon. And, you know, lead balloon became Led Zeppelin. And it was like, just really interesting the way the band evolved and experimented. And like you say, Jimmy Page had done all of that, you know, thousands of hours of session work you know, to, to basically mold himself to any style that was needed for that particular record. And you think all of those hours, all, it all led to this, you know, and I, I think the the problem, I think if, if it is a problem, but, but like someone like me, who's not really been into this album before you listen to it and it's been copied and imitated and evolved so much since then, it's like 50 years ago now, isn't it nearly? Yeah. Um, but it's hard to think, well, the context of the music around that time when they first come out was so different. And they literally, they are rock royalty, aren't they? You know, they they literally set the pace and, yeah, just got so much admiration for the band.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so much so. And I know Max and I have talked frequently about an 80s band that we both love, who is clearly paying homage to Led Zeppelin with the spelling of their name, another Um, Icons of British rock, Def Leppard, they even spelled their name to mimic Led Zeppelin. That's why they spelled it that way. So it's like and they're nothing. I mean, on surface, what people think of Led Zeppelin and Def Leppard, you wouldn't even think they're even in the same stratosphere. But like when you Mm. think about what Def Leppard is and who they modeled themselves after in the style of their band. And, you know, so so they're yeah, they are rock royalty and they, you know, they deservedly so. you Know and I think as we'll go through the songs, I, it'll be tough to not talk about. As Max mentioned, they lost their drummer, um, uh, which is you know tragic. <laughs> You've seen his son play though, isn't that true, Max? I
2: have, yes, yeah, yeah. I've seen his son a bunch of times in different bands. Yeah, he's a monster, he's every bit as good as his dad was and plays just like his dad, and of course, has sat in with Zeppelin on the very, very sporadic reunions yeah. we've had over the years he's, he's a logical choice he's a fantastic choice. obviously he is in the shadow of his father because of who his father was but musically he's superb yeah jason yeah
0: jason there's actually in one of the doc in that documentary that we watched you actually see young jason sitting like on stage playing yeah, yeah. it's insane you're like you're five what are you doing it's sick so talent is what it is i mean because at five doesn't matter how much you're watching your dad play if you can pull that shit off that's just that's genes right there so yeah. um, that I've never seen any of these people alive you know in real life I've seen videos of the concert films I know you'd saw Bonham how about you Dave have you seen any members of the band perform
1: no I'm afraid not um, like yourself I mean they had the reunion was it about 2008 ish or something and remember watching that 7-8 yeah, yeah yeah but like I say for me it, it it's literally going through this exercise. And, I, you know, we were Roman and Aaron, should, should we do a weekly show, bi-weekly, month, we settled on monthly. Honestly, for albums like this, where I don't have the nostalgia to it, it's been absolutely brilliant. But um, I, for me, it was always my dad's band. It wasn't my band, you know. And so even though I can enjoy the the greatest hits, um, I, I, even when they got together, if there were tickets available, would
2: I have busted guts guts try and get them? Probably not. Mm. I did try. They would there was because it was only twenty thousand seat arena in London that they played, and mm-hmm. there was you could basically go on register on the website and you were put into a ballot, and if right, you, right. it was luck of the draw, and there was two million applicants. Wow! So. Yeah, go figure. So kind of it's a big deal. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's safe to say no, I didn't. I didn't get a get a ticket. I, mean, I have seen Robert Plant live and John Paul Jones though.
0: Uh, um,
2: yeah, I've never seen Page. Just basically doesn't seem to leave his house. Um, but I've seen Plant solo show about ten years ago in Manchester, and that was cool because he did about five or six Zeppelin numbers in his set, including a couple on this album. And and um, oh, yeah. I saw I saw John Paul Jones about twenty ten. He had. Um, a side project called Them Crooked Vultures with uh, it was a three-piece it was him on bass Dave Grohl on drums oh my and Josh Josh Hom from Queens of the Stone Age on vocals and guitar three-piece yeah yeah they released a a studio album of all like new stuff and then they did a a tour in in support of it and I saw them download festival yeah 2010 it was yeah they were on there they were yeah they were pretty good yeah
0: Wow, that's amazing. That's so yeah. cool. You did page did just out of curiosity, did um Plant do any honey dripper songs? I kind of secretly love the honey drippers. I know that no, stuff is total no. shock, but I loved <laughs> it. <laughs>
2: no, he didn't. He was he was sort of peddling all that bluegrass Americana kind of mm. shit that he's obsessed with these days. So it was kind of Three quarters of that, and then a quarter of the good stuff. So it it was it was worth it. Just just just, it was worth sitting through, you know, just
1: for the good stuff.
2: Fucking dueling banjos to get rock and roll at the end, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, that's cool. Well, good. I'm glad. So Max will lead us here. As as when we when we get to if there's something in particular when we get to one of the songs, you're like, oh, I saw this one. So that'll be super cool. So this album, as we mentioned, was a dual album. So they had taken two years off after um, doing. You know, they did one, two, three, four. And then Houses of the Holy was actually the album. Right. But the song Houses of the Holy is on this album oddly enough. And then they took two years off. Cause I was like, my brain was like, wait, how's the holies on this album? Did we pick the wrong album? And I was like, Oh, right. (laughs) So um, they took two years off and then they all just went crazy and wrote different stuff. And then they came back together. And this album clearly shows where their, where their minds had wandered. And uh, especially I think uh, John Paul Jones, what, what he was interested in more than, which was a little bit different than I think what everybody else was interested in. So that will come up. So it is a double album, which doesn't happen anymore. Um, generally, if you're going to put out an album that's this long, you just put it out because it's digital. You don't even, you know, and it's, I still bought it. It was not the one I have is still on two CDs, um, but I don't even know if you need to do that anymore. It's it's 122 minutes, uh, which is pretty long. Um, so but the first record actually only has album one. We'll, we'll go through them album by album, song by song, only has six songs on it. And you'll be like, how is that possible? Oh, we'll tell you, we'll get there Um, So track one, right off the top Custard Pie comes rolling in at four minutes and 13 seconds Written by the incomparable duo of Page and Plant So, David, Diamond Dave Diamond Dave's here, doing some high kicks You guys can't see him uh, Working on his Panama high jumps Dave, what do you make? How do you think, how does this album start? Custard Pie
1: well, I, I must admit, on the first couple of listens through, I don't like this song at all. I'm thinking, this is not... I, I I think I said on the last show, I'm expecting a real banger at the start. And there's something very stop-starty about the riff. It's like that... Da, 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 da. But it, I expect that first song to really punch you in the face and be like a freight train. And to really make, take you along and say, you're in for the fucking ride of your life kind of thing. And, and I was listening to it and I'm just like, this is not an opening track. This is like a, a track three or four that you just, th- this is the filler that it started off with. But the more that I listened to it, it was probably on the fifth or sixth listen through. I'm like, all right, okay. And then it's when you're not listening to it and it's in your head then it's like, oh, you've got me. <laughs> so interestingly, I, I I found that they'd never actually played this live and I, I didn't find any reason why, but but they've never played this one live. And when I found that out, I it was in my I don't like this song. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not surprised. But no, I have to say, I think this is a real grower. And, you know, we talked, you you alluded to there the different styles. I, I guess you, you'd put this more in the kind of classic rock and roll style, wouldn't you? But I think Zeppelin have done that classic rock and roll style better uh, with some other songs. But I, I like it, I, I, but I don't necessarily properly love this opening track. I, I think it's it's just a bit middle of the road rock for me.
0: Totally fair, Max. You, when you said you did, when Dave said I didn't love that start, you made a face. So you guys can't see. We should video. dude. I'm curious. Yeah. We're gonna have a fight on on episode, on song one. Max, Max will burn. Well,
2: well I raised an eyebrow at the most. Okay, so it was um, an eyebrow um, raise. But yeah, you yeah, are Sean, a pretty Sean mellow Connelly, uh, guy, so Roger raise an eyebrow. <laughs> <it> <laughs> Yeah, I don't mind this song, I'd say. I think, I think it's quite good. It's, it's kind of a stock Zeppelin song, you know. It's kind of a song they've done before. That stop-start riff, I quite like it because in the gaps, you get the clavinet going underneath, which is quite cheeky. I quite like that, actually. And the lyrics are classic Plant, saucy lyrics. He, in the 70s, Plant had a brilliant sort of opposite end of the spectrum. He either wrote these sort of fantasy Tolkien-esque Lord of the Rings lyrics or then he wrote end of the pier you know sexual songs as well which this definitely is I mean I've never heard it referred to as custard pie before um other than this song so that's quite an interesting euphemism for the the art of lovemaking you know I've never <laughs> never heard it referred to as custard pie before I mean the lyrics are just they're to die for aren't they literally I mean I'll I'll, I'll read you a little couplet from the song Please. Here, you know yeah um you custard pie yes sweet and nice when you cut it mama save me a slice um (laughs) and you know drop down I can imagine the amount of the sheer amount of custard pie plant was getting in back in these days oh my word (laughs) it would have been quite quite something so yeah it's fine it's a good it's it's a solid song short song good good way to kick the album off but like Dave said it's not like a real sort of blow with the barn doors off it's but it's okay. And you can kind of see why they never performed it live because they had much better songs in the catalog than this of this type, but, but it's okay. I think it's all right. What do you reckon, Tony?
0: Yeah, no, for me, it's the same. I, I feel like, you know, this, this is the song I, I feel like, I mean, you said cheeky max. What I think is like them just, I, I am convinced that there are certain bands you could just put out. There was a stretch during my childhood, my college years. When university, you guys would say, when you two could put out an album that was just this sound, beep, and it would sell Mm. two million copies because people like it's Edge is a genius. And I feel like this was Led Zeppelin saying, let's just see what we can do and see if people will give a shit, see if people notice we're going to stop and start a song. So it's like we've been gone. So it's like on the meta commentary, like we've been stopping and starting, like there's something there musically. But also, I just kind of thought it's like we can do whatever we want. We've decided, and I think three years ago, you know, three years previous, this wouldn't have made any of their albums. This is a B-side. This is a trash song. But because they're them, they're like, what do we got? We can do whatever we want. So I feel like this is the human embodiment of that that image you have of Robert Plant where he doesn't own buttons on his shirts his shirts don't have buttons. He's always just like there, you know, like one button at the bottom, V chest. That's what this song is. It's just kind of his bravado. Hand, hand
1: on his hip there. Yeah, you get
0: that's the image. So yeah, I don't love it, but I just think it's kind of like a because again, Paige is in charge. Paige is the one deciding the order of this. He's deciding what the songs sound like. So um, it was clearly intentional. I, in the law, I agree, Dave. It does grow on you. Um, it it was I forgot like when it started playing I was like oh right (laughs) I forgot what I I didn't know it was and even this song being called Custard Pie the names of these (laughs) albums the names of these songs almost make no sense
1: (laughs) yeah but I think it given how eclectic the styles are I think it's very deliberate isn't it so it's a middle of the road song for me it's not an album opener but it is close to that kind of classic zeppelin sound that people are used to so you know if you want to do something a bit different you don't punch them in the face with the different thing you you introduce them to something and then you move a little bit away from that so i do think it's there for that familiarity and that's introducing you into the album and then wrote you know the next track is is not too far a departure again and then it it starts to diverge a little bit then
0: yeah, no, I think, I think that's totally fair. I mean, it's good. I'm with you guys. It's the middle of the road. It's They've got so many great songs. Why would you ever do this one live? I mean, sometimes you just need songs that are on the record, and that's okay. And unlike the last conversation where there were some really janky ones, this isn't that. This is no Midnight Tornado, everybody. So don't worry no. about that. I so, <laughs> can't stand the heartache. Fuck, fuck that song. So next up. The Rover, as Dave said, as Dave alluded to. So we'll, we'll come we'll come to um, him first again, because he was like, hey, I'm ready. The Rover, he wants to go. You're talking how the two songs go together. Again, written by Page and Plant, clocking in at 536. These songs are not for the people who have ADHD, by the way. So as, as somebody who <laughs> suffers from that affliction, I was like, is this song over? So, um, Dave, The Rover, you, you, you were saying how the two songs merged. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, so again, I, I think it's more in that classic Zeppelin mold. Um, very heavy guitar, or not heavy, but you know, riff recognizable uh, beats going through the middle of it. And um, again, in I would say in the first five or six listens, you know, I'm thinking these two tracks are they're just not very good. And then again, when I look back at the kind of evolution, I start to learn a bit more about how the album got put together. And it's like, well, we've got a bit too much for a a regular album. So we'll make it a double album, but then we don't have enough material for a double album. So we'll try and we'll raid the archives. And this was one of the songs that didn't make it on Houses of the Holy. And I'm thinking, well, if it wasn't good enough for that album, why is it good enough for this one? And so, again, I would put this in the same, almost, you know, drop a pin on Custard Pie and put the Rover on it in terms of how much I kind of like them. Because I've listened to the album so many times now, I do enjoy it, you know, and I I like the different changes. It's a longish song. It's not very radio friendly, but um, so I can enjoy it. I just don't think it's their strongest. And, And again, I just, I question a little bit, why it had to be a double a double album um, because again, was it was it that they'd moved on as a band so that you know now the band that they were trying to be is slightly different so therefore the rover and and tracks like it fit in now or it, it just wasn't good enough at the time, but it's like, fuck it, that'll do. We'll put it in this one because we need to fill the album out. And again, there's probably, Zeppelin fans out there fucking punching and <laughs> the wall and throwing <laughs> throwing their iPhones across the room, like sacrilege. But yeah, I just I think this is another middle-of-the-road one.
0: Yeah, Max,
2: what say you? I agree with Dave's sentiment about these older songs that were cut-offs from previous album being put in here to sort of pad it out and make up the numbers. And why, you know, why weren't they good enough for the albums they were supposed to be on in the first place so what makes them good enough for this i totally agree with what dave's saying there but i do quite like they're over i think the riff is amazing at that it's that's been copied and copied so much it's a great sort of raunchy rock riff i really like that i think i think the playing on it's great and and the and the, the vocal from plant I mean the whole album vocally is superb. I think, you know, in his in his in his heyday, in his prime, which is obviously these years, he was as untouchable as it gets. He's, you know, whenever and still to this day, when everyone does those polls, don't they, about who's the greatest rock front man of all time, name the top ten, he's always in that conversation with the usual suspects, you know. And rightly so, the man is peerless really um Mm. so i quite i quite like the song for that the lyrics are quite nice as well we've gone from the ridiculous lyrics of custard pie to this which is more about traveling the world and the sentiment if we could just join hands about You know, trying to see the world as a traveling the world, but seeing everything that's wrong with it and hoping that one day it could be a better place. That's quite apt in in these times that we're living in where the world's gone to shit. So from that point point of view, it's quite relevant today. Um, But I quite like it. Again, like Dave said, it's not one that sticks in your craw and is one of their songs that sort of crossed over into popular culture and the mainstream consciousness. But as a sort of raunchy rock song, I, I do quite like it, Tony, yeah. Outside.
0: Yeah, I, 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 what I think is the title. This is like, again, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think all the titles make a ton of sense. But I think in this particular one, this is where Plants' lyric writing ability co- comes through because he is primarily the lyricist of this band. Um, he gets a lot of credit. You know, he's almost on every track except for the instrumental uh, because he does. Even if somebody else writes the lyrics, he's getting final say. They're coming out of his mouth, which isn't always the case. As we know, with with Max's favorite band, Freddie would sing whatever they gave him. He would make it his own, but he somebody else could write the words and Freddie would be like, yeah, let's work through it. And he, you know, because there's nobody better than Freddie. Want to talk about the best rock singer of all time? That's the answer. Mm, yep. But mm, yeah. Plant is right up there. But it's also... The the poet that's in him, you mentioned like he wants to do this bluegrass stuff and his weird turn with the honey drippers that I kind of like. It's because he's got this weird poet's heart. And that's the thing about Rover for me um, is that he wrote a poem. That's what I feel like. Paige is like, I got this cool riff and he's like, man, I've just been sitting over here stoned out of my mind and I've got this cool (laughs) thing and I'm wandering and we're going to heaven and it's like, woo, and they'll be don't deny and that the wind will shake them down and the flat world's flying and a new plague on the, and it's like, woo, so it's like that's, I see this is the merging of their two skill sets. So it isn't a perfect song, but I just think this is one of his, his where his songwriting just, just comes together. And he wrote a song called the Rover and it's about that. It's about wandering. So, so again, not perfect in any stretch of the imagination, but I think when you mentioned the lyrics next, I think this holds up lyrically as one of their more thoughtful songs. It's not like you said, he's not totally on a Tolkien vision quest, as you said, but it's close. Like you can see how he could get there. So that's what I like about it. This is one of, you know, plants times to shine it. Cause we're already used to hearing his voice, but even like sometimes, um, You know, I think that's why people love Stairway to Heaven for everything that it is. But the lyrics in that bang, like that's a really banana. Like that's that's this is like it's little brother. That's how I feel. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's fun. I'm excited. This is good. We're off to a start now. I believe Dave said Radio Friendly, and we're going to move to the third song. And Max is going to lead us off talking about this third song. Um, Radio Friendly. The thing about the third song, which is written by all four members, which I didn't, I realized off the top, I didn't say who plays what, because I just kind of assume everybody knows that Bottom was the drummer, John Paul Jones was the bassist, Jimmy Page played guitar, and Robert Plant sang. Sorry, everybody, if you didn't know, my apologies for the people who don't know Led Zeppelin. That was, that was I was being in um, a music snob there to assume everybody knows, so I apologize. But this is a song that's actually written by all four of them. Um, it's not radio friendly as it is. I think everybody knows one part of this song so in my time of dying clocking in at a massive 11 minutes and four seconds those last four sections seconds are super important max Byrne, how do you feel about this as the Prague rock master he who loves his rock to prog what do you make of in my time of dying
2: well it might not be radio friendly but it's fucking insomnia friendly (laughs) that's for sure (laughs) jesus christ i mean like you said (laughs) (laughs)
1: oh
2: jesus wet i do love prog rock progressive rock probably my top five favorite one of my top five favorite bands of all time is a band called dream theater uh, and 11 minutes for them is a short, snappy song. But, <laughs> but their long songs, they've got the so com- much...
1: The commercial track.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. S- stick at, send a 15-minute song to radio, see, how to see if they like it. But their really long songs, they're very busy. There's so much going on. It's, it's really intricate playing. There's a million time changes. There's drama. There's light and shade. This just fucking goes on. Like, like it's just... Aimless. I mean, the ending and the start are sort of identical, drawn out. If they'd have chopped off both ends of the song, you'd have a, quite a nice, sort of tight song because about four minutes in, it kicks in with this sort of quite good riff, some big drums. I like that part of it. But Jesus Christ, it, it takes so long to actually get anywhere. It just out. I don't know this is probably blasphemy to a lot of people because this is a beloved song in their catalog, and so be it. It's all, it's all subjective anyway. But I fucking hate this song. I'll be honest with you. I always have, and I always will. I, I cannot I cannot sit through it without just getting bored. You know, you know. I was just, I sat down last weekend and properly listened to the album from you know front to back while I was um, doing something else. Just had it on and i just i must have reached for my phone about five times during the 11 minutes which just shows how little of my attention it captured <laughs> i just I, I can't be doing with this song at all at all when i when i saw plant he played a little bit of this he did a medley of of not zeppelin but a medley of his stuff but then at the end tagged on a little coda of of this at the end and that was fine because it was about a minute's worth so i can live with that but this it <sighs> Again, not wishing to offend anyone who's, you know, thinks that worship's on the altar of this song. Good for you. You do you. But I fucking hate
0: it. That's all I have to say about that. take. Wow. Care of Bolton, UK. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, I hear that. It's four songs. That's the thing. You're like, we've only got six songs on album one, but one of them is four songs. There's... I mean, there's a reason I think four people wrote it is because it's four songs and there are there's a good three minute song in this. And it's funny. You love prog rock. I love the Ramones. Like the Ramones were also not radio friendly because two and a half minutes, like the the first reviewer of the Ramones ever at CBGBs was I tried to get up and walk out, but the show was over. (laughs) You know, that's that's what I want. I want three minutes, two chords and Johnny Ramone banging his head. That makes me super happy. And again, so in the middle of this song, there's something there is a rock song in the middle of this mind fuckery, I think. So, I mean, I don't I don't <laughs> don't feel quite as, as passionately about Max uh, because, again, I kind of just start thinking of it as different songs as it's going. And I'm like, hey, is this on again? Does this repeat when it comes back around at the end. So we'll ask the professional musician of the group to tell us why we're wrong.
1: Well, professional implies you get paid, of course. You're in a music video. (laughs) I've seen it. Well, so this is going to be a great chat, this, because I think we're (laughs) going to flip around now, because this is the first song where I would say I really enjoy. Now, again, not necessarily on the first few listens through, but I think this is a really interesting track. And it does remind me, a few of the bands I was in, like the original bands, It's not like the Beatles or anything. People don't often turn up with fully formed songs. And usually when they did, it didn't turn out well anyway. So usually someone would start off with some kind of riff, you know, might be something like, you know, and the first few times of listening, I'm thinking, oh, fucking hell, someone's got him a slide guitar for Christmas. You know, it is so uh, grating. Initially, you know, it just goes on and on and on. It's just repeated over and over. But again, it became that kind of earworm for me. And it was like, all right, okay. And then I start more actively listening to it then. And I think, you know, some of the seeds for this were were sown in Stairway to Heaven and, and what they did with that. You know, I remember Paige talking about how he wanted to have a song which broke the rules you know, so as a session musician, you could never speed up. That was a cardinal sin. You couldn't speed up. So you wanted to have a song that sped up. And in the middle, that's what you get here. Absolutely. You know, and it, it just, it changes. But it does remind me of those long nights, you know, when you're practicing with the band and stuff, and someone's got one riff <laughs> and you're playing it for about 20 minutes because each musician is trying to figure out their own, bit you know what what am I going to do in this bit and I, and then you know after maybe playing the same riff for 20 minutes you go right okay well what should we change to okay well what what about if it changed to this and you know so it almost feels in fact quite a lot of this album feels a bit like a jam you know so none of it was intended for uh the radio Really, they they were an album band, and and it was all about the album. And again, you, you we'll probably never see those days again, unfortunately. But I, I do appreciate you know the balls of putting something like this out there. And I have to say as well, you know, we've talked about Bonham and and how great he is. But again, if you're talking about top few rock drummers in terms of just his playing, his style, the sound you know, this album's nearly 50 years old and I'm listening to it and I'm like, that drum sound is amazing. And again, in the break, you know, how, you know, the changes in the middle where it's getting all fast and he's like fucking hitting everything like animal. I'm just like, Oh, that sounds so good. You know, and with all the technology that we've got nearly 50 years later, you you just don't hear better rock sounded drums than that. So Yeah. I'm going to switch to the other side of the table now and say loved it.
0: (laughs) That's the point, though, right? We we, we go through it and uh, and again. So Max hated it. I'm in the middle. I thought it went out there. Think there's a great four-minute song in the middle, and uh, and it's like that's awesome. That's the beauty of this. So it'll be fascinating when we get to the final scores because you know I, I think. Like you said, I can't tell how much I love this album or if I just feel hostage to it. But it has been <laughs> I agree with you, Dave. I mean, I know we all love music, all three of us. That's why we're doing the show. But I do agree that if we had done this week one, if we had we re- picked this and then a week later we recorded it, I would have different things to say than sitting yeah. with it, listening to it right away that first couple of weeks, listening to it every other day and then for two weeks straight, listening to it to every day and then I took a break and then like, Mac, like I went back just two days ago and today and listened to the whole thing while I'm doing work, have just having it there. So it's it's kind of in your soul. So it has been a fun process. So I'm I'm. That's uh, awesome. That's awesome. So Max, as he turns you around.
1: No, no, <laughs> yep. still still both barrels from Bolton.
0: That's fair <laughs> enough. That's totally fair. Ooh, that's we now know his wrestling, his next wrestling name, Max, both <laughs> barrels burn. Um so up next is this song that apparently also didn't make the last album, but it's the name of the last album, The Fuck, written by Page and Plant. Again, Houses of the Holy. Max Byrne, have you gone to church and worship now? What, what are your thoughts?
2: I love this song. I absolutely adore it. It's such a, um, a welcome sort of shot in the arm after the previous song. If that makes sense, it, it's a great riff. It's an anthemic song. It's actually a song you can dance to in a way. It's got that really sort of straightforward driving beat. You know, this could be uh, played in a rock disco or something like this at the, at the time. It's a brilliant, brilliant song. The, the vocal again, going on about Robert Plant again, but the singing on this, the notes, just superlative stuff. I mean, how this actually didn't make the cut of the previous album, which like you said, is the, is the actual title of it. How they didn't want to put this on there is beyond me. They, you know, it shows some fucking balls and some confidence in what you've got to go, no, no, we'll leave this off. It's, it it doesn't cut it when this would blow away most bands' best selections on their best albums. It really is a, a wonderful, wonderful song. And it's one that never gets old, you know. As soon as you hear that as soon as that riff kicks in, as soon as that starts i'm i'm all in i'm all in with everything i've done i love this song it's one it's probably this and the next two that come after it which would have been i guess side two of the four sides yeah, of right. the original vinyl this section for me is is up there with anything they've ever done i think it's fantastic
0: nice dave say what say you two houses of the holy are you worshiping uh-
1: I think we're uncovering slight musical differences Oh, this is only on episode two. (laughs) Some artistic differences. So I couldn't disagree more. I I think (laughs) this one didn't make it on the last album for a reason. And yeah, although I kind of like the bass line. Bass is very prominent in this.
0: Which is weird because he does not have co-writing credit on this one, but he does... On the net on trampled underfoot. I find I'm with you. I'm like, wait, how did how did he not get credit on this one? I don't yeah. understand.
1: Yeah. And actually on the um on the documentary about the making of the album, there was a I don't know if he was a record engineer or something, and he was saying actually John Paul Jones um used to write a lot a lot of the riffs. So Paige used to play them, but when they were messing around in the studio and stuff, the the pure riff driven songs, a lot of them were him. And so, you know, who knows? But um, yeah, I, I, again, I kind of like the sound of it, you know, in, t- in terms of how it's mixed together, probably like say, because the bass is, is quite prominent and it, <laughs> it sort of does almost the same as the guitar, but it, go- it kind of goes up when the guitar goes down kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a little bit samey, definitely more kind of radio friendly, if you like but it just it just didn't really do anything for me and so I, I what i do is or what i don't do is i don't skip tracks so in this listen through you once you've got a feel for the one the songs that you like and you don't like you know the temptation is to just skip through and i, I haven't done that at all what i would say is I, what i noticed was i wouldn't always have time to listen to the whole two sides so so i'd listen to the first half a lot more than the second half and i thought right right no, i'll, I need, I'll start at the second half and then you know uh, even it out a little bit but yeah i'm afraid for me um houses of the holy is you know right there with custard pie and the rover
0: that's for me see and i think i wonder because as you said they're an album band, which we don't see anymore. The only band I can think of, one of my favorite bands, is an album band. They don't care. They try to release singles, but nobody gives a shit. Is Weezer? They're just like, mm. we're gonna do whatever the fuck we want to do, and we don't care. Like people are so people want Weezer to go back and be the original Weezer from the Blue album, um, which is a perf, which is a great, brilliant album. But I love watching them grow up. You don't want the band to be the same band, right? Like. If, if you've been the band for 40 years and you, the songs in your album when you're 40 years later are the same songs that you haven't grown as an artist. And you, I mean, if you want to, you can go back and listen to the blue album as many times as you want. So, so I say that to say, cause there's, I like, I'm ride or die for Weezer and there's tons of songs that people hate, but I, because I listen to the whole album, I still buy albums. I don't stream. So for me, everything has a story that it connects together. And so I think the reason maybe Max and I are a little bit higher on Houses of Holy, because I am, is because it is an album song. And I didn't, I mean, In My Time of Dying drags on too long for me and loses my attention. So I think coming back to something like, and again, it's so stark. It's a totally different kind of song. It's again, them showing off and being, and they did it on purpose. So I still think, you know, because Paige is in charge of the order of the albums. He was like, we got to come back, you know, cause, and it's, we're going to start, we dragged you in. It's the end to side one. They're always thinking in, in albums. They aren't thinking of the way we hear it now where you don't have to flip it over. So they're like, you're going to turn over side one and you're going to drive right into side two. And I do think I'm with max. and I'm going to skip ahead a little That houses of the holy trampled underfoot and cashmere. I'm with max, those three songs. That is, a, that is like a perfect album side. And I think it was done intentionally. So for me, it was just kind of mm. one of those things where, um, I think maybe I like it the same way, Matt. Not as much. It's not my favorite song on, on the album. Believe it or not, that's on, that's on the second second album. My favorite song is. But I like Houses of the Holy because it just brings me out of something that was that was wearing me down. So I think, it's, I think I wonder, it'll be interesting for people to, to at us if other people feel that way. Like if people really loved In My Time of Dying, they thought Houses of the Holy was too stark. And for people who didn't like My Time of Dying were like, phew, a song. You know, I don't need mm. to do math to understand what's happening in this song. So um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Time, I don't know. Man. Yeah, that's fun. That's awesome. Um, well, anyway, so again, Max, has, has Dave changed your mind? Do you now hate Houses of the Holy.
2: No, not in the slightest. <laughs> I know. No, I, th- just I
0: just think the good side asking. Everyone, that's fun.
1: everyone listening probably can identify with something because we're all over the map We today, are. aren't we? <laughs> which is fun. I'm actually excited. This makes it so
0: fun for me because yeah. we start to get into some of our Lord Avedon picks as this show goes on, which are like gonna be dealer's <laughs> choice of the shittiest, believe it or not, everybody. The Hoff has an album that's on this wheel of morality, so you never know. know. (laughs) Can't wait for that. Max is doing, and if it becomes Max's choice, get ready, everybody, Hoff it up. But anyway, um, so it is. I think that's what makes this great. That's why music is so good. And for people like people who are like, I don't listen to music. I like how do you live? What do you do all day? What are you doing? What do you mean you don't listen to music? How 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 do you not? It's like the greatest art form. I mean, I love books, as you guys know, but. Man, I I couldn't imagine not having, I, I don't leave the house without my headphones. I'm always listening mm-hmm. to something. So, mm-hmm. and I have my whole life. I've always, as soon as I got my first Walkman, which I still have in this drawer when I was 14 years old, I never left the house without headphones and music. So, bananas. And I know, sorry, we got to move forward because this is a long album and we've got an hour to go. <laughs> so we've got to stop. We're on a hard deadline today. So I'm going to just kind of, and we don't have to merge them together, but I'm going to go to Max because I know Max, you and I are kind of on the, on the side of side two album one is amazing trampled underfoot written by john paul jones jimmy page and robert plant which again shocking that john paul jones didn't get credit for houses of holy what do you think of trampled underfoot how do you think it pairs
2: perfectly i love trampled underfoot it's it, it, In some ways, it's one of my favorite songs, if not the favorite song on the album, just because it's fucking ridiculous. You know, the the lyrics are basically just sort of merging. You slick
0: down the body, groovy leather trim, like the way you hold the road, mama. It ain't no sin.
2: Come on. Trouble-free transmission helps your oils flow. Mama, let me pump your gas. Mama, let me do it all. (laughs) You know, it's just basically, it's, it's merging a woman and a car. And I can just imagine the fun, he must have had coming up with these because it's literally just sort of couplet after couplet of bawdy lyrics about a woman as a car kind of thing. Um, which you know, on the face of it is absurd, but I just like the song so much. Uh, I like the little riff in between each one where it's it's great, and the um, the clavinet intro as well that kick before the drums kick in there, very nice. And um, it's just a great, fun, driving song. When you put it on, you, you can't help but sort of stamp your foot, nod your head to it, you know? It's kind of like when an ACDC song comes on and you just want to sort of just go like this a little bit. When this comes on, it's the same for me. I get, on the face of it, absurd, and I totally, totally get absurd. that. Yeah, Totally absurd, and, you know, probably in this day and AZ's lyrics don't fly so well, <laughs> let's be honest. But you're looking at it through the prism of, like Dave said, a nearly 50-year-old 50 old, fifty year old album here, you know, 47 years old or whatever it is, uh, to be precise. So it's time and place. You've got to add context to it. Um, but, yeah, it's a great song. It's fun. It's uplifting. If I put it on, it puts me in a happy mood. So I'm all in. Trampled on the foot. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so Diamond Dave. Diamond Dave Horrocks. Um, uh, have, does this song speak to your wildest I mean this may be a song that is created out of Chris Phelps's id the way that he feels about cars <laughs> um, I couldn't help but thinking as I'm listening to I'm like is this just did, did was Robert Plant I mean I know Chris wasn't alive but did Robert Plant <laughs> he in the neighborhood when Chris Phelps was born and this this was born from his the way that sometimes Chris talks about cars I feel like he would love this song
1: uh, probably I mean <laughs> I think there's a a different reason. I mean, I, I kind of, the lyrics don't jump out at me as, as much because it's more that foot tapping funk beat that like really grabs me. And, you know, Rolling Stone had described Zeppelin as, as the heaviest rock band of all time, you know, uh, back in the day. And, and you sort of listening to stuff like this and you're thinking, well, it's a bit unfair really. And, and it, Kind of oversimplifies what Zeppelin were, and I think I suspect very strongly that John Paul Jones was the one who who really kind of brought this to the table, and then Page and Plant are just like yeah yeah well we'll put our bit on it and we're we're the we're the daddies of the group you know so we, we'll get writing credits as well. I, I think this is absolutely born out of that influence from from that funk time. I mean, this is basically stevie wonder superstition isn't it mm, with yes. with plant lyrics and and vocals over the top i think if you listen to you know that funky beat on the drums and the it, it, like you say as max said before you've got the little doo-doo, you know it, it it's not too far to to just think of superstition and and so yeah when i first heard it, it it took me by surprise a bit and and it it was like a, a cognitive dissonance or something it's like but I'm listening to a Zeppelin album. And this is this is classic 70s funk. Um, but again, you know, on a few more listens through, I was like, oh, yeah, I really like this, the fact that they have thrown all these things into the melting pot. And they're like, fucking slap it down on the table. You know, get a load of this. <laughs> We're doing whatever the hell we want. We've got our own record label now. They, got, they had swan song records, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And and yeah, they could do what they want And if they wanted to put some funk On a so-called rock album Fuck it, that's what we're going to do So yeah, I think that this one The planets align a bit better And I, I'd say I'd, I'd love this one as well
0: Yeah, I think you're right, Dave I think the thing about And Chan- I'm not going to Because I've already said How I think these three songs Because I'm going to have a lot to say about cashmere but i think i agree and i like that i mean this is i think it's on these last few listen to when you that's why i was like it's like sergeant pepper it's like and you said it's like the white album or it's like uh pet sounds where it's like it's a bunch of stuff. It's like, this is the stuff we love. Like you, mm. just because you're a whatever, because you're in a rock band, it doesn't mean you only listen to rock music. It doesn't mean because you're a country singer that you only listen to country. That's bullshit. Of course, that's not true. It doesn't mean that if you only, if you're in a if you're a hip hop artist, you still listen to rock. You're a rock, you know, so I think this is them showing off who their inspirations were. And also it is 1975. I mean, we're right in the heart of, you know, disco's, discos happening. And, you know, um, you know, we know when we hear another one bites the dust, that was like Queen's like, and again, we'll eventually talk about Queen, but that was clearly like their response to what's happening and, and the inspiration of the music that's there. And how can we take what everybody loves and also put our own little rock stank on it as it were, you know, cause I think you're right. I think if John Paul Jones was left to his own devices, this is a difference. It is just a straight up funk mm. song. Yep. Yeah. And the lyrics are just silly. Like I said, just straight out of Chris Phelps is in. So um kind <laughs> of just love it. I really do think it's great. But the next one is the one everybody knows, I think. It's called Cashmere, written by Bottom Page and Plant. It clocks in at a whopping 8 minutes and 27 seconds. Um, whew, lyrically, listen, I love it so much. I love these. I Again, the, some songwriters, like Mick Jagger's lyrics, that are not deep, right? The deepest thing he wrote is "You can't always get what you want, you get what you need." And I still feel like the history of that song is probably somebody mixed like "I need some more cocaine," and they're like, "Well, we've only got speed." And he's and that's the song. Like that's kind of how I feel. Like some people are. I could be wrong. That that could be anachronistic, and I'm totally making that up. But like, there's something about plant, and I just forget what a song, right? what a lyricist plant is, and I think that's part of why I like singer-songwriters, you know, because their music is all kind of three chords and an acoustic guitar, but, like, lyrically, they take you places, and that's what I like about Weezer, too, is lyrically, they try something different. Fucking Cashmere, man. My God. And the fact that you've got the drummer as top billing as the songwriter here, um, I, I don't know. I could just, I could do an hour on Cashmere, so I will not. Max burn, take it away.
2: Cashmere is not only one of the most iconic songs in the Led Zeppelin catalog, it's one of the most iconic songs in the music, in the world of music catalog, if that makes sense. It's just so recognizable. That riff has been used in other things. There was obviously the Puff Daddy thing where Page actually played on it for the, God's, was it the gods yeah the Godzilla film Godzilla in the 90s yeah. Matthew Broderick one yeah and it, it gets you still on on other TV on TV programs when they want to build up something I heard it the other day on like Britain's Got Talent as well we know when they're trying <laughs> to like build something up like play a video sort of a video package they were playing this riff over it it is instantly recognizable if you if you don't care for Led Zeppelin you you don't know a thing about them you will have heard this, this piece of music somewhere. It's that iconic and that recognizable. The like you said about the lyrics as well, they're almost sort of ethereal in quality in, uh, in quality, if that makes sense. Just, you know, it takes you on a on a journey, on a flight of fancy and a flight of philosophy. It's you know, it, again, like I was saying before, it's the versatility of plant that you can go from a ridiculous song like Custard Pie or an equally ridiculous lyrical song like Tramble Underfoot, and then you have this know, it just shows that he could run the whole spectrum from the, that end to that end. It is just a magical, magical piece of music. It just keeps building and building. The beat is, it's one beat all the way through pretty much, but it just never stops. It drives forward and it, it, it's like full perpetual motion, this song. It's, and although, like you said, it's over eight minutes, It doesn't drag. It's not an eight-minute song where you're thinking, fuck, you know, This in my time of dying, this is not, where where you're looking at the clock thinking, fuck me. It is a great track. I know it's kind of, it's become also cliche because it's that big a song. But for me, it is one of the greatest songs ever written, in in my humble opinion, definitely.
1: I think for me, it's harder, especially on the first few listens through, When this comes on, the nostalgia hits as well, because I know this one, it was on that Greatest Hits album as well. So I always like flick through, you know, the ones I didn't like and I'd stop on this one, really like this one. Um, Yeah, it's just such a great song. It it definitely is a standout track on the album. And, And what I find interesting about it is the beat, like the drum beat and the guitars and stuff, it leads you to believe that it's a much heavier song than it really is. Because if you listen to the guitars and, and whatever, it's not really that heavy at all. There's a lot of strings in there. You've got all these wide orchestral sounds. You've got these Eastern influences. I know the Beatles had kind of experimented with a lot of that before leading up to this. So, you know, they weren't the first to do it. But I just think it, it is such a great song. I do i do yearn for it to be a bit heavier if i'm honest so one of my favorites is like wake up by rage against the machine where they just ramp up the distortion and and basically play this riff and and weirdly they don't credit page or plant you know they make no reference to this but it is just such a clear copy you know that Mm. um I, i don't know how they got away with that but um but yeah, I I just absolutely love this track. It is so so good, and like you say, it doesn't it doesn't feel like the the eight minutes, you know, because there's interesting stuff. And weirdly, with other songs where I can get a bit bored of the same riff playing over and over, and like I say, it feels like a bit of a jam where you're trying to noodle around and figure out your own piece to it. That da 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 da, you know, it's almost all the way through, isn't it? but uh just never get bored of it it's just so great
0: agreed it's it's crazy and it's um what a way to end a record um so there we are we're gonna flip it over we've ended that cashmere's over um an eight minute song that did not feel like eight minutes and now we're gonna put on tracks we're gonna put on album two and we're gonna have another eight and a half minute song because they're like we're led zeppelin we don't give a fuck and um (laughs) It is 8 minutes and 45 seconds written by, um, this time, John Paul Jones and uh, Planton and Page. And it is song one, album two, In the Light. I'm going to start off by saying the tale of two eight-minute songs for me. Um, it's fine. I know this is like one of John Paul Jones' babies. I know this was really important to him. Um, meh, I, it's fine. I don't I, to me to go from an eight minute song that feels like it I never wanted to end to an eight minute song that I kind of think should have been a little shorter um not again, we talked about how custard pie wasn't the best way to start an album. I don't think that in the light is the best way to start album two, so um I don't know that's how I feel. I don't have much to say about it, so Dave
1: hi. <clears throat> Love this song, of course. (laughs) Just to be awkward, so I I think I've alluded to it before. I love Sabbath, and and really when Ozzy was there, more so. I I didn't uh, really follow them on after that, but I think for me, this is the closest to Sabbath, and it's almost it's three songs in one and they just play the three, and then they play the three again, repeated. So it starts off with that. Again, it could almost be the opening to a Spinal Tap uh, concert, couldn't it? The way it starts off with all these... You know, all the the sitar sort of sounds and everything. But it's when it goes into that riff, and the thing that gives it that distinctive sound, like I say, Sabbath had it, bands like Rage Against the Machine have it, it's when the guitar... And the bass are doing exactly the same thing. And it's just a solid riff and it's unapologetic for it. So when it drops into, I'm in it. It is so powerful. And where, you know, a lot of the times Aussie would kind of follow the guitar riff a little bit, Plant doesn't do that, you know. So that. He's got his own melody, so even as as we were saying about his great lyricist, you know, him as a great lyricist, you know, his his melody writing as well is is something else, and and so you, you've got that, and and as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, I'm I'm liking this, but then it goes into like a Beatles track, I, 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 and the guitar sounds like it could be George Harrison. And I'm like, wow, that, that's weird. And that's what made me think about, you know, maybe it's almost like this second side, if you like, or the second part of the album um, does feel a bit white album to me. It feels more experimental. You've got less of the cookie cutter rock tracks that you've got in the first half and they go just off piste a little bit here. And like I say, I, I love the fact that they've got these three songs in one, um, with all those different influences that are just completely different and don't belong in the same song, but it it really works for me.
0: What say you, Max?
2: Yeah, I do like uh, In the Light. I like the start. It's a very prog rock. It's a very 70s prog rock intro, a very sparse keyboard that takes ages for something to kick in. It 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 wouldn't be out of place on like a 70s album by Yes. Yes. Or or, or Genesis. I don't
0: like Yes. (laughs)
1: me neither, but I was thinking yes as
0: well It doesn't it it does sound
2: like something they would have put out at at this time period you know it's a very 70s prog like ELP that kind of thing um 70s Genesis when they were a prog band in the 70s before they went pop in the 80s it's that kind of thing um it it does sound though like they're playing the same song twice though it kind of starts off with this then it kicks in and then it goes back to this, and then it kicks in again. Yep. It's essentially like they've got a four-minute song, and they've written and recorded this four-minute song, and they've gone, "Ah, oh, fuck it, stick the song on again." So we'll basically have an eight-minute yeah, song was, where we yeah. just we just got a four-minute song repeated twice, but it still kind of works. It, it, it's well put together. I like the slow, deliberate pace of it. Dave's really hit the nail on the head saying it's like 70s Sabbath with Ozzy. It really is that slow, that slow, deliberate riffing style. I, it, it's a good song. It's not one of my favorites, but as that kind of style of music goes, it's kind of in my wheelhouse. So yeah, I'm very much a fan of In The Line. It's good nice. stuff.
0: Yeah, that's funny how we all thought, yes. And it's like we all brought our own baggage yeah. I don't <laughs> like so So um, I don't... I. They're like rushed to me. I realize how good they are, and it drives me crazy. Like I don't, I don't need you to be that good. I need a little sloppy. And this that song is a little too tight for me. I think that's part of it. Um, for and it's weird. I know, but whatever. Okay, next up is a short little two-minute instrumental written by Jimmy Page by himself because he's the producer. He can do whatever the fuck he wants.
2: <laughs> Ron, your
0: R. It's called um, Out of Nowhere. What do you think, Max? A little two-minute instrumental.
2: It's neither here nor there. It's very pretty. But it's total filler. I mean, it, it, if you took this song—it's not even a song—if you took this piece of music off the arm, I don't think it'd be missed in the slightest. It's—it really doesn't serve any purpose. It's like, page, and and it, the piece of music itself—it doesn't really go anywhere. Again, it's very nice, but it's—it kind of sounds like page warming up, or just practicing something, scales or whatever. It's—it's it's nice, but it's instantly forgettable. It's—it's it's not something. If someone put it on, I wouldn't go, oh. I know, yeah, this, I know what this is. I just think, oh, some, some sort of noodling about on the acoustic guitar. You know, it's neither here nor there. I've got nothing against it, but I've not really got anything for it either. It's just, it, it exists. That's about all I can say
0: about that. It's totally fair. Dave, what's at you?
2: I think it
1: it's an interesting little palate cleanser. You know, we've just had this In The Light song that's, you know, north of eight minutes And I know we've had other long songs on the album as well. Again, would I miss it if it wasn't on the album? I'm not sure, but it's short enough. Shortest track they ever put to album, I believe. Um, It's short enough that I don't get bored of it. And I think that it sounds to me like he's playing it on a 12-string guitar because it sounds so full. You know, his fingers are obviously busy, but the sound just sounds amazing. And there's so much going on. It's very, very folky, obviously. And so, you know, it's not a foot tapper. It's not one that you can obviously sing along to. There's no lyrics. Like you say, if someone was playing it in the guitar shop, would you recognize it? You know, even at all these times I've listened through in the last month, maybe, maybe not. I would just think, well, that's a very competent, you know a uh, folk guitar player or something so yeah i i enjoy it actually i i think just more than being uh, uh neutral to it being there i think it it is just an interesting palate cleanser to have there and again it it just for me it gives it this second half of the album that experimental feel um where we're going to we're going to just try stuff out
0: Yeah, it's my favorite song on the album. (laughs) Cashmere is the best song on the album, but favorite and best aren't the same. It's my favorite song on the album. It's so weird. I can't figure it out. Like every time I get to it, and it may be because I thought in the light, and again, I don't know if I just played it by itself, if I'd feel that way, but I've I've listened to it all in order and it just makes me feel great. Like everything about it, we've talked about it offline before. Dave, Dave, you and I have about um, Kevin uh, KG from, uh, Tenacious D, and what an amazing mm. guitar player he is. Yep. And when they yep. do classico, um, I don't know. It's yeah. just something there. Like I feel like he's channeling this. It's I just love it. It is just what I need in the middle of this. What I said, side two or album two is like the Black Crows were like, we can do that album. Mm. And that's but then but they didn't do this song. Like so you know the of the tracks of the nine tracks on this side it's an, I feel like it's an eight track Black Crows album. And then this song is mm. there. And again, I like the Black Crows, but that's just kind of how it feels. So it's my, nothing other to say, it just makes me feel great. It's my favorite song. Cashmere is the best without a doubt. But to me, this is my favorite. I just love it. And it just hits me. And it maybe it's because of where it's positioned. But anyway, anyway, that was fun. I love it. Thank you guys for saying it. It's funny. Palette cleanser. I really like it. It's my favorite. This has been a delight that we can't all agree yeah. on. I don't know what <laughs> Other than cashmere is really fucking good. We all agree on that. So it's like uh, we're
1: all on different points of a roundabout, isn't it? Yeah. And we're all just, you know, for <laughs> different tracks. We're not landed exactly on the same spot. That's it's okay. great.
0: I love it yeah so down by the seaside another page and plant diddy rocking in at 515 not sure if it needed to be all five minutes 15 seconds but I think it's a pretty solid number Um, again because it's coming off my favorite song I'm maybe just in a little bit of sense of euphoria going into it I feel the way that Max said about the first you know you guys about the first two songs on the first half of the record look it's good it's a good song it's 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 more than a ditty it's less than a jam probably could have been a three-minute song that's how i feel what do you say max
2: i like the country op- the, the opening sounds almost like country music doesn't it with that kind of guitar sound that twangy twangy kind of it sounds like something like a country artist will put out and i don't mind i don't mind that i don't mind country in in extreme <laughs> moderation um so you know the intro to a song is about my limit so yeah that's okay um it's okay. It's a nice song. It's quite dreamy stuff. I, I don't mind it. You, again, it's one of those, like um, we've said, it's one of those that was left off an older album and they've sort of dredged it up to cover four sides of a double vinyl here. And to me, I can kind of see why it never made the cut. It's it's nothing special. I mean, it's not terrible by any stretch of the imagination, but to me, it's just not, it doesn't quite cut it as a great, Led Zeppelin song like you say Tony I think it could do with a little bit of editing down to be honest with you and made a lot tighter but you know at this point in their career they were like well fuck it what we say goes we don't answer to anybody we're enormous yeah. so you know <laughs> we'll put out an album of us farting for 90 minutes and people all lap it up so yeah you get that but it it's it's quite forgettable to me I'm not a massive fan of Dying by the Seaside to be honest with you
1: I think I enjoy this one a little bit more. I I, I don't love it, but even with, like I say, I I rarely go to the lyrics and and seek out, okay, what exactly is he saying here? But so the music, and and probably I'm led by the title as well, but it just does conjure up that feeling of being down by the seaside. You know, it, it makes you feel like you're there on a sunny day, with an ice cream watching people go by it's a lazy day you know the the guitar riff you know even when it's it's a little bit of a solo it's still very um slow there's nothing fast paced about it there's nothing upbeat and rocky and so yeah i just there's something about this that i do just think i think it fits on this second side where i think they have just gone you know, a little bit more experimental. I think if it was on the first side, it might've been a bit out of place, but just having it here again, it, it, they're a bit closer to the Beatles here for me with this one. And, and I think I, there's something about it. That I just really, really like, and like I say, it just, it conjures up those good feelings, even though none of them are a nostalgia for the song. I, I don't remember this one at all, but um I, I think this one I'll forgive them for uh, dusting off this one and, and sticking on the second side.
0: <laughs> That's totally fair. That's totally fair. Um, and again, yeah, I think it's, it's fine. I just think, I think if it was a three minute song, three and a half minute song probably would love it. I just think it, it goes on. It, it overstays its welcome. That's how I feel. Um, and again, all objective. Who are we? We are not rock critics up next. Yeah. Um, after we've gone down to the seaside, we'll stay there for maybe 10 years. And Jimmy Page and Robert Plant will take us there for, um, this is the longest, second longest song on this album, on the second album. Six minutes, 32 seconds, 10 years gone. Dave, did you want to stay at the seaside for 10 years? How do you feel about this one?
1: 10 years, yeah. (laughs) I think, um, again, I'm afraid I'm, I'm feeling like a broken record. Which, of course, you don't get listening to this digitally, do you? Remember no, no skips. When you, when you used to have, you know, the same bit. I remember uh, getting Sergeant Peppers. And and the thing is, when I listened to... I, I can't remember which song it was now. I'll remember it when we when we cover that one day. But when I listened to it properly without the skip, I was like, oh, that sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you don't <laughs> get that. Kids these days, they don't know. Yeah. But I'm... Um, yeah so I'm I, f- I feel like I'm sounding a broken record but for me this could be written by McCartney this one. I think this is a Beatles song. Just everything about it and like the 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 guitar sound sounds totally George Harrison to me I, I, again I, I think around this time if you weren't influenced by the Beatles what are you doing? <laughs> you know so I, I don't know if it was a deliberate homage or anything like that but I definitely think it's it's close to um, I would say even like Abbey Road you know that kind of almost like the second side of that so yeah I, I really like this one like the guitar sounds like uh, the pacing of it again could it have been trimmed yeah probably could have a, a lot of these songs you know didn't really need to be longer than three minutes but you know what if you're not aiming for a single, why would you come up with an arbitrary length of three minutes? That's so, fair. you know, the fact that, you know, they just write it and whenever it comes to its natural conclusion, that's when they decide to finish it. So, yeah, I, I enjoy this one as well.
0: Max?
2: Yeah, I do like 10 Years Gone. It's kind of a nice, wistful song where sort of lyrically he's looking back at a woman who he stopped seeing 10 years ago um and it's you get the sense the lyrics are quite nicely written you know it's not it's not done in a a bawdy way usually when he's singing about women it's like a sexual kind of you know custard pie type arrangement whereas here (laughs) whereas here it's it's the, the lyrics are quite poetic actually and quite sensitive and there's a sense of like yearning for that lost love or maybe that one that got away or something like this who knows whether it's whether this is a true story or whether it's just him sort of putting himself in the mindset of someone like that who can say but it's quite a sensitive number actually I do quite like it because of that I think about halfway through it kicks in with a bit of a heavier riff that kind of notches up my interest a little bit from before because before that it's kind of again like Dave said it could be edited down a little bit it's kind of dragging to before it gets that point and then you're like oh okay what we're doing here this is quite good so yeah it's a good song 10 years gone I I I like listening to it but it it, it's not it's not as memorable as a lot of stuff on this album but it's it's there and i think it's worthy it's more worthy of a place on the album than some of the songs of and some we're about to i think it's yeah it's a nice Somewhere solid, about oh a little so, foreshadowing a solid shadowing
0: from, from yeah. i think i think the back half side two of album two we may be flying through pretty quickly um yeah no i agree everything that you guys said i think it's good i think it's a good solid song again i it's I agree with what you said, Dave. You said it perfectly. This was the song. They're like, we're not releasing this as a single. Let's just goof. Let's just play. Let's just be the musicians that we are. We've got, you know, Robert Plant's voice is as a music as its own um musical instrument. You've got these three amazing musicians. Let's just let's just show you something else. Again, this may be the one when I was listening back through and I was like, this is pet sounds. This is them like. You know, because you listen to Pet Sounds, you're like, oh, you think you know what the Beach Boys are. You think you know what mm. we can do. Watch this. Brian Wilson's like, bam. And look what kind of song I can write. And I feel like that's what 10 years gone is like you, you've listened to this whole thing. You've got a two minute instrumental. You've got Cashmere. You've got rock. You've got Prague. And they're like, Boop-a-doo. you know, like, oh, that's amazing what they can. You know, and again, to pair it with Down by the Seaside, which, like you said, Max, a little more country ish, just showing off. It's just showing off. So um, and now I think we're we're flipping over to side two. Of the album two, and we get to the last run of shorty short songs. None of them, what the longest is, four minutes and 42 seconds. Uh, the first one is a Night Flight written by John Paul Jones, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant. Max Byrne is not listed as a credit, but I kind of said it like he is. <laughs> what do you say? Max Byrne co wrote <laughs> Night Flight. We didn't know. Max Byrne, what do you think of Night Flight?
2: I like Night Flight, it's a good, sort of straightforward rocker. It's a a bit more to the point, which is quite welcome after the previous couple of songs, which are definitely not to the point. I do like it. It's fine. It really takes you there. There's a huge note by Robert Plant at the end of this song, which again, as we've alluded to, his his vocal ability in in these years was second to none. It It is huge. The lyrics are quite interesting as well because it's about how, again, it's a deeper song. It's about how shitty the world is. Apparently he wrote these lyrics after he read about um the threat of nuclear uh, testing and the damage caused by that so you know there's a bit of a message going on here as well it's not all sex drugs and rock and roll so yeah it's a decent song again it's not is it premier league led zeppelin no it's probably championship level led zeppelin if i'm being honest (laughs) but that's good that's better than most um probably their shittiest moments are as good as a lot of a band's best moments so you got you can't be too harsh with them even even for some of these songs but yeah i do like night flight it's it's it does what it says on the tin again nothing nothing amazing but if you just want to rock out for a few minutes stick on night flight go for it
0: that's exactly how i feel i want to rock out for a few, few minutes i like it a lot i i like the I like that it's a rock song. It's like again, look, we can we can do this, we can do this. Oh yeah, new side, new record, whole new band. We're gonna rock your, we're gonna rock. And that's what I like about it. Tight. It's my kind of song. Three minutes, 36 seconds. Let's go. Love it. I don't love it. It's it's you said it's probably it's definitely not there too, but you got to compare them against themselves. Hmm. There's a lot of other bands who are putting out rock songs in 1975 that wish they wrote Night Flight. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's what I think. Yeah. 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 Dave?
1: As a standalone song, I I quite like it. Like you say, it's more of what I think of as as like a Zeppelin song more than a a lot of the other tracks that we've been discussing. But I think for that reason, I'm kind of taken out of it a little Mm. bit because this was sort of a cast off from Led Zeppelin 4 or the the Untitled album, wasn't it? And and so it does feel almost like we've gone backwards in time. You know, so you've seen that all of this progression and all of these experimental things that they've been doing, and then they give us like a three-minute rocker, and it, I, I don't know, just just in terms of the flow of the album, I, ju- I just it jars with me a little bit because of that. Because we've had all these interesting things going on, and it does then feel like we're going back in time. Um, so I, I, again, I if it's placed in a different place on the album, it might feel completely differently. But like I say, it gets a slight negative mark. But yeah, as a standalone track, I really enjoy it. Like I say, it's that classic kind of... You know, it's the the classic blues kind of riff, isn't it? It breaks into. So yeah, I think, like I say, I'm probably being a bit harsh, but I do think... Because we're discussing albums, because, you know, we're old and we like albums, you know, you you are thinking about that, that flow, that experience of listening to the whole album. You're not just hearing something on the radio. Um, so, yeah, like I say, standalone, great. Where it's placed, I'd have probably had it somewhere different. But who am I to, uh, you know, go up against? Tell Jimmy Page Page where to put this (laughs) on.
0: No, but I think that. No, but I think that. But see, that's the point. We're just explaining ourselves. We are not Jimmy Page, but we are allowed to talk about Jimmy Page. So, um, after that rocker, we've got the Wanton Song, um, written by Page and Plant, uh, rocking in at four oh nine. Because again, this is just a tight. The second half of this album is just a tight rock album. Um, That's what we wanted to do. They're just going to go for it. Dave, what do you make of the Wanton Song?
1: again this this feels almost like something off Led Zeppelin 4 doesn't it now I don't know who did that where is it in my notes so no it says it's it's head, Headley Grange so they did do this later and I, I think the the kind of keys in it as well make it feel a bit different actually I, I think I would say probably say uh, night flight it's actually the beginning uh, I was saying about the Beatles before but I think the keys. Right at the opening of Night Flight, give it almost the who kind of sound. Um, but yeah, the Once in Song, again, it starts off with that real kind of powerful driving riff, doesn't it? So w- w- I'll be a complete hypocrite. So, whereas I've marked them down a bit for Night Flight, and I was saying it, you know, it felt like it was going back in time. I think for this one, I think because it's such a powerful driving riff, and you know, the you can hear the. Um, the, as the riff's going like duh, 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 you can hear the john bonhams playing off it like with the with oh. the cymbals and it just sounds so good and when everything is as tight as that uh, that that is your classic rock in a bottle right there isn't it so mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm a big fan of this one i, I think it, it again it's it yeah it goes back in terms of what their roots are, that tightness, that rock uh, kind of sound. But uh no, I think this is one of my favorite kind of rock songs, these ones.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think I think I think it's one of those ones. Bonham doesn't get a songwriter credit, but he definitely they didn't tell him what to do. You don't tell fucking John Bonham what to do. But I do <laughs> think this is him like showing people that drums aren't just the we're not just the rhythm section anymore. Listen to this. So I, I, I like, I like that they that Bonham gets to. I mean, he's obviously showing off this whole fucking album. But I, I like the I like it a lot. What say you, Max? to The Wanton Song.
2: I do like the Wanton Song. It's got a bit of a stop-start riff, a custard pie kind of riff, which kind of works nice. There's a really sort of simple solo in this as well, which isn't. It's not intricate. It's not sort of. Widly on the fretboard, but it, it's very simple, melodic, longer notes. I really do like that because it kind of it's very tasteful playing. Um, it doesn't overplay it. And the lyrics are quite nice, quite simple lyrics. You know, again, it's nothing too daft or silly. It's just quite sensitive, again, really. Um, and I like it. It's very simple, it's straightforward. Um, it doesn't sort of go off and, and overextend itself, like we've said a lot on this discussion a lot of the songs need some cuts this doesn't it's fine as it is it flows good solid rock song is all i'll say about it
0: yeah i agree and that's and that's okay and again it's like when you compare them to themselves you're like oh you're just giving us a solid rock song you fucking gave us cashmere just 20 minutes ago so that's not okay um next up is the only song that has a fifth songwriter it's called boogie with stew rocking in at 352 and so it's bonham paul jones page plant and credited as Mrs. Valens. I didn't do my research to know who Mrs. Valens was. So if either of you did, I'll throw it to that person. Max, please.
2: Um, she's the mother of Richie
0: Valens. Is that right? Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I did some research here and, and this song is based around a Richie Valens song called Ooh My Head. And so they've got a guest p- a pianist here. They've got Ian Stewart, who was the pianist, the live pianist for the Rolling Stones. So they had an outside musician on this as well as an outside songwriting credit. Um, but what they did was this song, although it's based around this Valens song, the song it's based on is written by Valens and some guy called Bob Keen. But instead, they credited Valens' mother for it. Um, I I guess Richie Valens would have been dead at this. He would point. have been dead by then. Yeah, killed yeah, killed kill by their money in that plane crash. Um, so I guess maybe his mother was his beneficiary of his estate. So all royalties go to his mother after his death. So then this guy Keen filed a lawsuit um, and got money, but they've still he doesn't have a credit on the song, but they've given him. A payment. I guess they, they must have settled and what have you. Um, but the song, I don't care for it very much. I don't like the, I guess it's a drum machine at the start that's that's playing. It doesn't sound like acoustic drums. It's kind of like an electric drum beat or something. And, you know, the honky tonk piano over the top of it. It sounds a bit like, um, Tony, you won't have heard of them, but Dave will. They're a very famous thing. creep. Sounds a bit like Chaz and Dave, who were a, <laughs> a, a, a lot much missed sort of. Cockney pair of,
1: oh my god, yeah. Tony! Have you not heard Chaz and Dave?
0: No, I've. I know what find my them.
1: Avedon pick is. Oh god. <laughs> <Fuck>. Okay, great.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, sadly, no longer around. One of them's dead. I can't remember whether it's Chaz or Dave. I think it might be Dave. Um, yeah, they were like a Cockney kind of knees up, Mother Brown kind of pub rock, boogie on the piano kind of shit. Um, but yeah, it kind of sounds like that. I don't care much for Boogie with Stu. It's very different. I'll give it that from the rest of the album. But it it does, again, it's one of them where, it, a bit like Brony it's kind of just thrown in, I think. It's just sort of like, they must have been just, well, it is, it's kind of a jam session that they've just basically just plonked on the album, having a bit of fun, get this guy in, playing piano, all having a good time, brilliant, that, sticking on the album, fantastic. It, it really doesn't massively need to be there. I'm not a huge fan of Boogie with Stu, I must
0: admit. It's totally fair. Dave, how do you feel? Do you want a boogie with Stu or do you want him to go straight to hell?
1: No, I, probably somewhere <laughs> in the middle. Um, not not quite that bad. I, I was just reading like Richie Valens was 17 when he went down in that
0: not that crazy? Place. Yeah. It's um, unbelievable.
1: Um, but I, I think it was on that documentary and I, I should have wrote more notes down about it. But I think his mother had received no credits at all, so whoever the the royalties and everything went to, I, I think it was basically, it was the band's way of just making sure she got some kind of royalties. But then I think the the owners of Richie Valens Estate were quite annoyed by it all, and and were trying to sue them, and it it all got a bit messy. But um, yeah, so tragic. Seventeen years old, unbelievable. But um. <laughs> I think, you know, the other unbelievable thing about this song is, like, you know, these guys were listening to this sort of music growing up, but then they produced this, you know, and, and all the things that went before and, and came after it as Led Zeppelin as well. And you just think, how are your brains working where you can do that? <laughs> you know, if you, you listen to music now, you know, let, let's say uh, non-pop music, so guitar-based music, it's not that far a reach from where these guys are in 75 but you go the other way you know it's 50 years let's go the other way let's go to 1925 how different is music then so you know the it can't be understated how much these guys drove forward that whole rock sound and and of course you know the people like the beatles stevie wonder i mentioned on earlier as well but i think this one is just a little Again, it's like a we can do what we want kind of thing. So this, these are our. Uh, this is the sort of stuff that we grew up listening to. So you know, it's a bit of a boogie. You can imagine people, you know, dancing uh, in the diner and whatever. Don't tend to have diners over here, but you know, it's something <laughs> we always recognise from the American movies. So, um, so yeah, not something. I, if if I had like you know half an hour and I was going to stick on a few tracks from this album it, it wouldn't start with boogie with stew but but i appreciate the balls of putting it on the album
0: this is the song that makes me think that that the black crows are like yep we're gonna make this album because jealous again this is that opening riff of jealous again is that jazzy piano like you know i think that black Crows for some is really good um you know they do they do some cover they do the cover of hard to handle on there i mean obviously they have a they play with the piano but i kind of feel like jealous again and boogie is the godson of boogie was not i mean sonically it's a little bit different but i just that's how i feel so it was like this is the song when i got to that i was like oh because up to that point i'm like i feel a lot of that weird you know the black crows really channeling that 70s vibe anyway um and so Hmm. i don't know that's just it's fine again i didn't know the story and i saw mrs valens i kind of thought is that richard i bad bad research on my part um but I think that's awesome that they tried to do that. You pay, you know, you pay homage to your heroes, you don't rip them off. So, um, yeah. you know, if they could have had, wouldn't that have been something if Richie could have been alive and been on a Led Zeppelin album, holy fuck. Would that have been crazy for him to be like I inspired this? That's mm. that's crazy bananas. So, um mm. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, two to go, the penultimate song. 4 minutes 32 seconds. Page Plant Black Country Woman, <laughs> Max Byrne. Tell me about her. Tell me all about this Black Country Woman. What do you know about it? (laughs) Um,
2: It's a good song. I do like Black Country Woman, actually. I like the acoustic guitar with the bass drum, just the kick drum and nothing else. It's a nice little breakdown of a song. Obviously, the the rest of the drums kick in a bit later. But just that start with the acoustic. And um, when you read about it as well, bizarrely, it was recorded outside. They They wanted to sort of mix it up and not be in the studio. So they literally. Recorded it um, in the garden uh, where they were recording the album, and and you can actually hear it as well. There's an aeroplane flies overhead as well during this song, and you can hear that. And then oh wow, they're like saying, "Oh, should we should we cut that?" And they're like, "Oh no, leave it on. It's fine." So that noise you can hear is a literal aeroplane flying. Over the, flying over the garden uh, and ruining the recording, but they had to keep it on because they quite liked it. Um, see, so yeah, it's nice. I like the I like the song. I guess I guess you know, black country is an area in England where Robert Plant and John Bonham were from in the Midlands that's known as the Black Country so it's Robert Plant I guess paying tribute to the the women of his hometown um it's you know making a sound like a feisty <laughs> lot anyway <laughs> um little, yes. it's
0: it's their answer to california girls black <laughs> country women <laughs> i guess so yeah no,
1: if i would class black the black country the same as california but that's that's just me. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's not quite it's not quite the same. No, you get what it? I'm saying. It's like yeah, yeah, right yeah, about yeah. where you're
0: from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. So he's rem, you know, he's reminiscing about that. Um but yeah, it's a nice sort of jolly song. I do like it actually. I think it's pleasant to listen to. It's again, it's not top draw. Um, it's kind of kind of been squirreled away at the end of the album here, but I think it's a lot better than the track that comes after this.
0: Oh um, and- when his hand.
2: Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. um But yeah, no, this I like. I do like Black Country Woman. Again, it's not—is it up there with the best that Les zeppelin had to offer? Pfft, hell no. Of course not. It isn't. But in its, it you know, listening to it in isolation, it's just fine. Nice, nice acoustic number. Nice, nice sort of upbeat foot tapper.
0: I think. Yeah. Yeah. You think the Mumfords were like, we can do that. We can do a whole album of that. That's how I feel. Like well, you, know, you just see the inspiration, and that's what I love about this album is how. Like I said, oh, that was a black crows. That's this. The Mumford's Mumford son. We're like, we could do that. Let's do that. Let's make that yeah. as our sound. Um, you know, quite they possibly. they do... what's that?
2: I was gonna say quite possibly. Yeah, yeah. I but mean, if, I don't know, but if that's except that's, if that... Les <laughs> Le Zeppelin have got a fucking lot to answer for. They do. <laughs> I fucking hate Mumford and sons. <laughs> Oh,
0: sorry, I didn't mean to piss you off. That's just how I <laughs> but, feel.
2: Um yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. You're right, Tony. Yeah, all jokes aside, yeah, you can definitely yeah, there was a it.
0: whole genre that came out like of that. You know, the Mumford sons are just the ones that broke through of that kind of you know, just we're playing all acoustic guitars, and I know they have banjos and stuff, but like just that idea of just a kick drum, just driving the rhythm section, literally takes a backseat, which I don't always love. But I mean, sometimes you can pull that off, and um, you know, what, I, so that's just how I feel about. this I like it fine. It's it's again, is it their? Be- it's not remotely the best song on this album, but it's again, if I were just like if that came on, I wouldn't shut it off. That's what I'll say. Dave, would you shut off Black P- Country Woman?
1: I think initially on the first few run-throughs, <laughs> yes. Uh, I was just like, this is not Zeppelin. And, and uh, yeah, like, I don't know, Mumford & Sons, Arcade Fire. There's, there's c- certain bands that I've heard, and I'm just like, what is that sound? You know, I, I just don't get it. And I'm glad, so Max alluded to there, the black country being a, a kind of region in the UK, and I, it, it was coming to this, and I was thinking, well, most people in the world... And, and they were like rock royalty in the U.S. way before they were in the U.K. They, they never really got the recognition over here. Um, but I thought, well, probably 90 percent of the people, probably more than that, don't know that the black country is a region. So you read it differently. You put the comma in a different place and you think, well, is he singing about a black country woman?
0: Yeah, you know, it's a good, good question.
1: Yeah, so I, I, it just made me think. I, I wonder how other people are hearing those those lyrics. But yeah, it's it's a fine song. Again, it's it's an album that speaks to that experimental nature. If I heard if I was down at the local pub and I heard someone do a, a cover of this, and and I hadn't been through this album run through, I said, "Oh, this is a cover version. Can you guess who it is?" I'd have never guessed Led Zeppelin. You could have given me a thousand guesses and I wouldn't have put this down to Zeppelin. Um, So, you know, again, hats off to them for just trying shit out. And it's, you know, they're they're being proper Bertie Big Bollocks at this stage, you know, and it's just like, we'll do what we want. But then after a few more listen throughs, it does become quite catchy. And that kind of, that bass pedal, that kind of dum, dum, dum going all the way through it's like it does get you tapping your foot a bit and then the the guitar riff you know the the way it kind of finishes it's quite it's a bit of an earworm as well so I probably think it's just above kind of all right for
0: me just above all right that's the that's going right to be on the cover just above <laughs> all right Dave. Works. all right and we're going to end with um, 442 sick again um and again uh and again and max i believe is sick again of this song max burn
2: <laughs> um musically i don't mind it it's decent it's kind of stock led zeppelin it's okay but the fucking lyrics are you're on dodgy ground with these lyrics these are about meeting groupies in america but you know it's about meeting very young groupies in america and um, not long ago Dave and Chris, obviously, on the VHS podcast, you covered Almost Famous, the film. I was just thinking well, about Almost yes. Famous, yeah. There yeah. you go. We're very young, sort of teenage groupies in the 70s. And, you know, Led. I've read books about Led Zeppelin and there was a lot of young girls, and I do mean young girls on the scene. I mean, some of these lyrics, you know, from the window of your rented limousine, I saw your pretty blue eyes. One day soon, you're going to reach 16, painted lady in the city of lies. Ooh, you know that's that's dodgy territory um but it was that was the sort of the theme of the day back then I guess it, that's how it was There certainly you know the zeppelin certainly weren't alone in that kind of practice I guess in the 70s but it it doesn't it doesn't age no. well at all it's it's, it's, it's... Kind, it's kind of an uncomfortable listen you know I have a stepdaughter at that age and you think, fucking hell, you know, mm. it doesn't better, really, doesn't bear thinking about. But again, musically fine, but lyrically, I, it really sort of turns me off. I can't really listen to it and think, oh, God, it's not, it's certainly not what I could sing along to. That's no. Sure.
0: Well, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Almost Famous because um, that is who Cameron Crowe was with in real life. His is real it? life was with Led Zeppelin. Yep. So yep. I'm assuming, I always assume this song is the impetus for him making that. Uh, movie was this was this like I always felt like Penny Mm. Lane is the girl in this song um Mm. gross I'll just say gross and uh Dave I'm just gonna say gross is is my whole comment on this what what, what say you Dave
1: (laughs) so fortunately as as I alluded to before I with most of the albums I listen to I'm listening to the music before the the lyrics and it's only if the lyrics really jump out at me will I will they catch my ear so I think for me, this is a, a, a middling kind of Zeppelin song. You know, it's it's got all the key components to it. More of that classic rock sound. Um, but you got me thinking now. I'm, I'm intrigued. I need to go back and, and read the lyrics.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> Bad, bad, bad. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, and it is interesting, too, because, you know, Kate, Hudson, who played Penny Lane, went on to be married to the guy from the Black Crows. It all comes together. There you go. We've all made it a thing. Um, All right. Well, we've reached the end of our walkthrough of this double album. We we decided second show, we're going to give you double length on the second show. People are clamoring for more. We're not going to give you two shows a month. We're just going to give you two shows in one. And so we've got a handful (laughs) of minutes left before we got to sign off. So let's give our final rating before we give the big wheel a spin. So just as a reminder, if you think it's the greatest album of all time, it, it goes to Paradise City. If you think it's really good, like we all three did last time with Skid Row, it spends time with Dr. Feelgood. If you think it's okay, we send it to the Crossroads, which is a Bon Jovi album and also where you meet the devil uh, if you're Robert Johnson and maybe Led Zeppelin. If you think it's got a couple of bangers, but the rest of it sucks, it goes to Skid Row. And If you think it is the worst album you have ever heard, it spends time in Hotel California where you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. And you have to listen to that album over and over for all eternity in hell. Max Byrne, what is your rating of Physical Graffiti?
2: Okay, I thought long and hard about this. I couldn't give it paradise, So I was toying between the next two tiers down. Um, but I've edged for Dr. Feelgood. Um, I think, yes, there is filler on this. But the, the great moments are so great that they pull it up to that level, in my opinion. I think this the, they hit some heights on this album that are as high as it goes. There's, you know we've, we've talked ad nauseam about it there's some songs on this that are just rock standards that are above anything most bands could ever dream of and if it wasn't for the filler stuff this would be paradise city album for me it really would but those bits just bring it down a notch so i can't put it in the top tier but i couldn't put it in the middle it's got to be second to one from the top a good four out of five Really good album, but not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, for me, it's a tour de force by Robert Plant. His vocals are amazing. All four of them are playing and or, and or singing their asses off. They're all masters of their individual instruments. Peerless musicians. It's yeah, four out of five. got to feel good for me. I have to, that's all I can give it.
0: Yeah, love that, Dave, Diamond Dave.
1: So I, I thought long and hard about this because, again, I, I didn't take to the album straight away. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'd have put it to the bottom in fear of being strung up. Um, but also, you know, the whole concept that we're going for here is, is that we're talking about mandatory music. So I don't think we can have everything being fours and fives as well um definitely in the I would say in this last four weeks the first two weeks what I found myself doing I'd listen to physical graffiti let's say three times and then I'd indulge myself and listen to like Led Zeppelin 4 or Led Zeppelin 1 or something you know uh, uh, you know and I was I'd go back to the well where you know I'd, I was like oh but I, I love this stuff so I would say I, the album really did grow on me and I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the artistry of it. I appreciate the musicianship, you know, the the lyrics that plants put together as well, even though I don't, you know, look at all of them, you can tell how, how interesting they are. But I think for me, I'm, I'm going to put it in crossroads because I, I feel objectively you know if i was writing for a paper or whatever i'd probably have this around the doctor feel good but for me we're almost on a sliding scale uh, you know we we're, we're talking about and we've started off with two absolute bangers and so i for me i don't think i can put it quite in the same spot as skid row it's for me personally it's it's one down from that so right at the crossroads
0: I think that's fair, and I'm. And again, we talked about: were we going to have a 0.5 scale, and then we had to come up with 10. And ultimately, we decided to go to stick with the whatever entertainment uh, ranking system of naming things after other things arbitrarily. <laughs> um, we didn't do it. We didn't come up with um, some. Are you on the crossroads, hanging out with Dr. Feelgood? Because that's what I think. I think hearing what you guys said, that's that was me too. I'm like, this part's a crossroads. I don't like 11 minute songs. There's one eight minute song on here that I like a lot. Um, but I, Cashmere is a top 10 song of all time, of all time, of all time. Like it's up there with My Sweet Lord by George Harrison. It's up there. I mean, like, mm. I mean, My Sweet Lord gets me. I get choked. I'm going to, anyway, I love that song. <laughs> and um, <laughs> there's like some amazing songs that I that, he it's got up sued there. for that, didn't he? He did. He did for He's So Fine that's that, right yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Yep. so um anyway i just it's that good so that is So since i can't do a 0.5 i have to go dr feelgood I, I think
1: we we can do um I, I i don't know what's happened to my spreadsheet but we can say it's halfway between crossroads and dr. that's dr. what i'm, feelgood, I'm, I'm gonna we? put
0: it that's the thing yep. so i'm saying yep. it out loud it's, it's let's on, do that it's on the crossroads to dr feelgood so we've yep. got it that's how i feel i because it's there's, there are some songs that I really disliked, but, but again, I just, would you have an album that has one of the top 10 greatest rock songs of all time? So that to me has to, if I have to swing, but if Dave's given me permission and Dave is the king of whatever entertainment, so we're going to say, I'm giving it a crossroads to Dr. Feelgood. Dave, Wheel of Morality. Let's find out what we'll be listening to in one month's time.
1: Are we ready? Yep. Drum roll, yeah. please. Porno graffiti stream. Oh my god,
0: (laughs) I know how much Dave loves this album. Yes, all right, Max. I love
1: this.
0: (laughs) Well, very exciting. So, pornography. So, we go from uh, graffiti to physical graffiti to pornography. We promise this is not the all graffiti podcast synergy. (laughs) Everybody, start thinking about what you think of extreme. Tell everybody how they can find out about Max Byrne.
2: Yeah, if you want to, you can find me on Twitter at Maxie Byrne, which is spelled M-A-X-Y-B-Y-R-N-E. Go on there, say hi. There's links to the various sites I write bits and pieces for if you're into uh, the world of comic books and uh, that kind of popular culture. So by all means, trot along there, say hi. And uh, yeah, I'll see
0: you there. Thank you, Max. Dave?
1: Awesome. Well, you can get me on Twitter at Seattle Dojos or a variety of podcasts, including Comics in Motion, VHS Strikes Back, Chris and Dave's reality TV cast, Back to the Office. And I'm probably forgetting some others, but uh, any one of those that tickles your fancy.
0: Excellent. And I, too, am on the Comics in Motion Network, and I'm also a pop gorilla where um, by the time this comes out, you, you on Pop Gorillas, we're reviewing every Friday the 13th movie, one per day. This month, so right now, you. When by the time you hear this, should be Sunday of uh, May, I don't know, whatever day, May 9th, this should come out. Um, go over to Pop PopGrow's, you can listen to them. And then on Friday the 13th on the Comics in Motion feed, you'll hear all, so if you can't, if you don't want to do that, you get all 12 of our reviews in a row. The short version is, they suck.
1: Um, <laughs> so, oh. spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler
0: alert! they're bad um, anyway so this has been a delight so porno graffiti one month's time um. well thank you everybody for listening and if you want to send us a message and offer us a suggestion for what we should do next you can email us at mandatory music and cd at gmail or you can reach us on twitter at mandatorycd. so Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in a month when we rock out to the extreme.